Hello, and thank you very much for listening to this episode of the Billy Newman Photo Podcast. Appreciate you guys checking this episode out. I wanted to talk today about uh, some more photography stuff and then some more kind of outdoor wilderness uh, travel stuff that I was kind of interested in. Also, a cool space event is happening uh, right about now. So it's kind of fun, but uh, I'll probably talk about a couple of those things on, uh, on this episode. I wanted to talk about this idea that I've, uh, I've been reading in a book. I was uh, checking out... Um, the Wilderness Skills and Survival book put out by Meat Eater. I think it was written by Steve Rinella and you know the group of people that put together the show Meat Eater and the podcast. And uh, uh, a lot of that uh, is where I get a, a, a lot of the good information that I get for wilderness outdoor stuff is is out of that podcast and out of their content shows and stuff. But I was checking out this passage in their book that I was just reading, and it was talking about. Um, uh, outdoor risk in, in wilderness areas. And it was sort of, um, it, it kind of talked about it more broadly, but then it brought it down into the United States. And it was uh, mentioning the number of um, of injuries and then specifically deaths that have occurred in uh, photography-related activities. And it was mentioning that that photography-related activities were, were was one of the highest killers in wilderness in the last decade, as it was, we really saw like a big ramp up of it, and I think worldwide it was the number was somewhere around 230 deaths have occurred. I think in relation to risky photo photos or selfies, or kind of a number of different kind of um, I don't know activities related around getting getting a good shot. And I can kind of get into more specifics around professional or you know kind of how you. How when doing work outside, you sort of get yourself into those positions, and then also in uh, in just sort of the the more relaxed take of it, of being on vacation, being a tourist and taking photos and then getting into a risky situation. But as it was mentioning, you know, like, um, uh, animal attacks or, you know, like deaths by a wild animal, you know, or something like that, or, or freezing to death of exposure or something was, was kind of almost outpaced by the number of people that got themselves into uh, a high risk. And, uh, then eventually like, um, deadly scenario by uh, doing some kind of photo activity in a wilderness location. So I guess in the United States, it was, I think, 12 people have died from photo-related activities in uh, in wilderness areas within the United States in the last decade. 12 is really not that many, but that also kind of uh, puts into perspective how many wild animal attacks there are that and in a fatality, I guess is how it is. So the numbers of both would probably be, be more if it was a, a more flexible tally of injuries only. But uh, but as it goes for fatalities, it's 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 pretty low. You know, there's really not many bear attacks. There's not many. There's like no cougar attacks or mountain lion attacks, right? Like I think there was like one last year, one in, one in Oregon, one in Washington. Um, and then it had also been, I think, a long time since there had really been any cougar attacks or, sorry, cougar fatalities. Sometimes there are attacks. Uh, sometimes it's like after a dog or something. Uh, sometimes there's, you know, bad encounters for sure. And I think, like, uh, it's pretty common or it ends up being more common than you would have thought for people that spend a lot of time in the outdoors to have uh, a complicated encounter with a, a individual wildlife specimen. But uh, but it's really pretty rare that it ends up in the position of a fatality, and that's sort of the, I don't know, one of those weird things that's that's out about it. But you, you could probably maybe would put a lot of thought into um, the risk of uh, seeing a bear when you're out or something like that. But you wouldn't maybe put as much thought into the risk of stepping on a slippery log in a precarious angle near a hill 
where you're going to take a picture and you think that angle would be right or something, or you're going to uh, step n- near the edge of something to hold a camera out to take a selfie picture, you know, of yourself or just a picture of yourself. I hate the word selfie as uh, people have been doing that for a long time, but, um, but yeah, getting a picture of yourself or something and then, uh, and then having a fall, something like that, it seems to be the way that a lot of these uh, kind of risky behaviors end up happening where uh, you try and kind of push yourself out of the way of the crowd a lot of the time or out of the way that every other person is or you try and move the camera to a high angle or a low angle so you can kind of get a, a new perspective on it. But sometimes with those issues or sometimes with that, you kind of push yourself into uh, locations that are of higher risk and it ends up being something that uh that yeah causes more problems uh for people than than a lot of the other wilderness risk activities that uh, people involve themselves in so things i've kind of seen a lot is like you know in where there's a sort of a more structured environment i think like uh like a number of waterfall locations i've been to people sort of got uh hot on well how do i explain it more clearly like uh, i think the tokity falls waterfall section it's an area uh, east of Roseburg, you go out there, and I don't know if it's on the Amqua. I think it's on like Toki Creek or something. But uh, but this fall system, beautiful. It's been in a bunch of calendars. Really cool to see. They've uh, put in a bunch of effort to make this uh, this kind of landing platform. You go on like kind of a quarter mile hike along this ridge line, and then it kind of drops down to this platform that's still about fifty feet up above the, or maybe seventy five feet up above the water. And then if you want, well. If uh, if you bushwhack it, and uh, I think if you kind of go against uh, maybe some of what the state park agency there wants you to do, I don't know if it's a state park there, but uh, probably over what the manager wants you to do, there's a lot of people that have kind of bushwhacked off of that platform down the steep hillside, and then they go down about 75 feet or so, so they can get sort of a more... Uh, centered position in the Tokity Falls pool that sort of splashes out. The fall comes off, crashes down, makes a big pool out, and then that kind of uh, wraps around for maybe 100 feet or so, and then it kind of reforms into a smaller stream and then continues on uh, downhill. And so what people do is, uh, is, yeah, they scale down this hill down below the platform, and it's really that point when they start to enter into that level of extended risk where they're carrying a camera or they're carrying some set of equipment they're probably not equipped with the right kind of safety gear to get down that sort of slope, whether it just be like good boots and jeans or a trekking pole, or if it happened to be like a carabiner and a rope or a piece of webbing to help kind of steady your ascent or help you get down and then ascend back up that when you get down there, man, that's kind of like the tricky part is you get down a hill and then you have to kind of, you have to get back up that in a, in a pretty reasonable fashion but sometimes yeah those ridges can just be uh too steep a country especially if you hadn't really prepared or if you know if prepared for a, a car travel trip you get down there in tennis shoes or sneakers you jump in a, into the water you get back out and then you try and uh shuffle up the side of this hillside wet group of canadian geese are taking off in this uh wetland area that i'm at it's kind of cool you can probably hear them coming through maybe i'll uh, noise gate it out i can't tell but um, but yeah, like uh, some of this outdoor risk stuff is comes from uh, people kind of jumping off the trail and sort of trying to shuffle down the sides of stuff when the, it's probably really not uh, not something that individually that person is uh, ready for or um, equipped for is probably the, the other side of it. So yeah, it's really just stuff like slipping on a wet rock on a slope or man, what's gotten me a couple of times pretty bad is, uh, is sliding on like a smooth log, like a log that had moss on it. And now that moss is kind of scraped away. Or even if not, you step on it with a boot on sort of an incline of a slope and gravity will just kind of yank you down. 
and it'll the 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 moss isn't gripped to that slick piece of wood underneath at all. So it's just like a nice slippery um, piece of round wood, and yeah, the boot grabs it, slips right off of it, and then that's kind of sent me tumbling a couple times. So it's kind of frustrating when that kind of stuff happens. But yeah, out the photography, one of the uh, the bigger risks related to outdoor activity so it's kind of that tricky thing when uh, doing like wilderness stuff or outdoor stuff even when you're pretty close to a car there's sort of like a lot of um a lot of uh risk of sometimes injury or sometimes uh kind of an exponentially expanding sort of scenario or situation where things kind of get worse and worse and worse and worse like you're out there in the snow in your car or, you know, you're in your car, you're at a day, and you're going over a mountain pass, but you're not really equipped to do, like, an overnight thing. But, yeah, if you go out for a little bit, then you get stuck there, and then maybe you get back to your car, but now it's nighttime, and now it's cold. It's just sort of like this escalating set of things that sort of start to cause more problems. And uh, and that's sort of kind of how some of these wilderness things go, where you don't really think it's going to be a problem, and then it starts to happen, and then that causes another problem and that causes a few other problems and sort of dealing with those uh, sets of situations as they come up so that they don't uh, just so that you make the right decisions and that you don't end up making more problems with for yourself by trying to do something to help yourself survive like uh, injuring yourself when you're trying to catch food to eat or something is, is you know like a more risky thing you could probably go without eating that time um, and it would be better for you to remain uninjured in part of it. But also, you know, it's just like, wow, how do you do that? Or how, how do you, like, go th- go about navigating uh, those sets of choices and have the skills to kind of do that? So I'm sure it's pretty tricky and hard, and, uh, and that's why it's kind of good to sort of have some competency so you can sort of keep yourself away from those uh, those heavier deep water situations that uh, can kind of get you in trouble and stuff. But uh, but also, I don't know, it's something you can kind of kind of learn how to do. I hope to kind of get into that more within this podcast, too, kind of talking about that in relation to doing some photography stuff outside. Pretty much everything I've, I've been doing for the last uh, few months of this podcast, but talking about a lot of the wilderness outdoor stuff and then sort of how that relates to doing some photography and media stuff when you're outdoors, too. So, yeah, I know it's kind of trippy getting into the, the wilderness risk stuff that you can, uh, you can have out there. And uh, I don't know, they, uh, I've been pretty lucky with the kinds of things that have happened to me before i think i've nearly been lost before out in the woods that's kind of or there's a few like hard hard fought lessons that uh, that i've i've learned over time and part of it is to kind of like yeah stop moving and stop making mistakes when you start to make mistakes man that was kind of the tricky one of like or like trying to move around too much at night when it's dark out because you think well maybe i can get in a better position because it's a risky position right now but really movement at night is is the the riskier position especially when like there's uh there's almost no risk of uh exposure problems or something like that so i remember yeah being out at night up in the mountains and then i uh, was in the kind of this rocky area and i had lost the trail i still had my gear with me which is great and so i could put down and kind of set up anywhere but i remember kind of being weirded out i weirded myself out you know kind of being out there on sort of this uh this this pretty pretty strong rocky incline that I guess would sort of slope back down to wherever it intersected back in with the trail. Um, but uh, yeah, I was off uh, pretty far. And so I remember like, yeah, I just being dark and if it was light out, you could just kind of, you could kind of hop down and sort of, sort of pick out a route, hop down with almost no risk at all. It just sort of seemed like a, a pretty natural, normal thing to do, but scaling down the side of a mountain at nine thirty at night, with uh, not much of a light ahead of you and no trail and stuff. It just didn't seem to work. So I remember kind of uh, making a couple of mistakes in a pretty short amount of time. And I was thinking, whoa, I got to stop because it will get 
more risky if I keep kind of trying to do this. So I remember stopping and then just uh, setting up my camp right there on whatever rock I had stood on. Uh, but I looked around a little bit to kind of make sure I was in a, an okay spot. And uh, yeah, I just kind of tucked away in this little crack between, uh, or this kind of cove between the the rock as it was sort of coming down and then and then it would sort of shelf off a little bit. But yeah, I kind of scooped myself in this little spot there, really just about big enough for me to put my sleeping bag and my body in there. And then I kind of had the, the, the tent out as like a mosquito net sort of thing above me, but I didn't have any of the poles set up. And so I was just kind of in there held up. I had my backpack there and I was able to make it through the night just fine. And then in the morning I was able to kind of pack up and load out. And then it took me eight minutes to find my way back to the trail in the right way. And I remember kind of uh, thinking about that as like, oh man, like that's such a weird thing of uh, like one, like try not to get into that sort of situation unless that's the plan, you know, the agenda, but sort of having things go off the agenda is is probably the first, the first sign that things are uh, getting a little bit too out of control to sort of remain, um, remain a thing that, stays smooth for a long time and uh, that's always what's kind of kind of weird of getting into those uh, more risky situations and stuff or or weird situations i think it's kind of like taking your time as much as you can kind of moving slowly when you can helps out a lot yeah yeah weird stuff like that but yeah getting stuck out at night or getting lost or getting getting in weird spots that you it's hard to get out of and you're trying to get back to your gear and you think that's what you need or whatever it might be there's just kind of like weird little movements that you make of uh, being away when you, you want to get back to this camp part that you were at, but also maybe it's better for you to just kind of stay put for a little bit and, uh, and kind of figure out what you're up to. Um, I picked up a, a couple cool pieces of gear. I was talking about flashlights last time and uh, some of these coast lights and uh, and uh, like Streamlight. And then I think it was um, Surefire. I think Surefire is that other brand I was trying to talk about that was uh, like, I don't know, like a... a I think as a contract with the Marines or something or a contract with the military to have, you know, these surefire lights for the, their tactical equipment, but they're insanely expensive. If you look up surefire lights, you can spend like $1,300 on a high powered metal flashlight. You think, wow, that's a lot of money. It sure seems like a nice flashlight, but yeah, surefire stuff is crazy. So kind of down from there is like Streamlight. They have a lot of, um, a lot of rescue lights and uh, tactical lights and stuff that all seem cool. And then uh, there's also this other brand, excuse me, um, yeah, there's this other brand, Coast, that I was checking out. They were uh, a company out of Portland. I thought they were pretty cool uh, with some of the lights and products that they had out. And uh, they were really, like, inexpensive, but also had, like, a, a, a lot of durability to them also. So I thought that was kind of cool. I picked up a few of those a few weeks back, and then uh, as I was uh, checking out some stuff, a bunch of geese flying over me right now. It's cool out here. They get moving uh, as soon as the sun starts going down. It's kind of fun. But uh, what I was checking out was this uh, clip light. There's sort of these tactical lights that are out there. Streamlight has this one. I think it's called the Sidewinder that I think is uh, pretty cool. But they're these uh, these angled lights where uh, where you can have it um, like a, a flashlight. You know, it's like uh, it would point kind of straight out in front of you if you held it out. It's like a rod, and at the end of that rod, there's the light, and it shines forward. But what's kind of cool about some of these tactical lights is they have these uh, rotating heads on them. So you can have it point out straight in front of you. And then you can also kick that down so that it's a 90 degree angle where it's kind of like an L bracket angle. And then it uh, can shine out in front of you if you have the light, I guess, at a stand or something like that. So it's kind of cool. And I guess they use them in the, the military for, for some uses and stuff. The Sidewinder, I think, I don't know, boot or something like that is, uh, is a good entry level one. I think that's like a, like a $30 
uh, flashlight that has that, that tactical clip light look that uh, I think hooks onto the, the mole straps that you see on backpacks, so like those military packs, just kind of like thin straps and you have like like an inch loop or not a loop, but like a, it's like a pretty tightly woven strap that kind of cups over and it's about like an inch long or so, but you can hook a piece of gear into that, like an extra bag that holds a utility or in this case like a flashlight that'll clip on there and then you have it at that 90 degree angle to shine out in front of you so um, you have like your headlamp or you have a side light or something like that but this one I think is to kind of clip onto gear or clip onto uh, like your jacket or backpack or, or something so that it shines out in front of you um, so you have like a body light on you at the, at the same time but um, there's that sidewind or the streamlight sidewinder and then they have another tier of those sidewinder lights that are more I guess, uh, I don't know, tactical ready that are like 130 bucks or something like that. Uh, they go up way, way up in price. But they're LED lights. They've got the red LED light. And I think they've also got like a couple communication lights. It's sort of like a military-specific thing where you can run a green light or a red light or a blue light, I guess, kind of depending on your your mode, whatever that means. I think it's like a training operation thing that they do specifically. And uh, I think you can also get a version with a UV light that kind of cuts in there, which is kind of interesting. But uh, but I was also checking out this coast light, this coast uh, clip light that they have, and uh, it's got like a magnet backing on it, and then it's got a roller head on it. It's a lot smaller than the Sidewinder. It's really only like three inches or so tall, and then uh, instead of like a like a a joint that has an angled light unit in it, it's really just a cylinder that sort of rolls in place where it is. You'd have to kind of look it up to visualize, I guess, what I'm talking about. But the cylinder sort of rolls its angle from being 180 out to 90, uh, and yeah, it works really well. It's got the red light. It's got a, a UV light option also on there. Um, if you want to pick up that that unit, I, I guess that would be like more like a medical unit. One. I don't know what they use the, the UV stuff for. But I see like UV light uh, for a lot of these um, equipment, like work lights or service lights that uh, that people would get, you know, if they're, they're working as like a EMT or in a police field or something like that. And then I see like the red lights a lot for trying to preserve your eyesight in low light situations and stuff. That works great for my sort of stuff of trying to do camping or, I don't know, astrophotography or whatever it is and, uh, and trying to, to roam around with a, a little red light and stuff kind of helps out with, uh, with like the headlamp when you, you're at night kind of around the campfire and you don't want to shine your, your full-on spotlight around the camp everywhere. And it works really well with this little clip light to run the red light in sort of a dimmer mode on a backpack or something. So I guess the plan is I'm going to try and throw one of these clip lights onto uh like onto my backpack or onto my camera bag or something like that so that uh that i always have like a, a light running on it when i'm in low light situations so like when i'm out trying to do some star photo stuff or um, like right now like man it gets dark so early but uh so i'm trying to go out early i mean you can go out at like four o'clock or you know like i don't know i guess it's getting a little bit lighter now but uh you can go out at like five o'clock and it'll be dark in almost no time and if you're lucky enough to have some dark weather like right now you can see uh, how close jupiter and saturn are together Really cool how the the great conjunction came about, how they're really close together. I mean, gosh, it's like just like pinpoints next to each other. So if you're trying to like do some photographs of that or other star stuff or just do some observations and stuff like that, it's cool you can go out there and then uh, throw on this red light and uh, and not have that affect uh, your pupil contraction to allow more light into your eyes while you're out there. It does a better job. It's better to have it just perfectly dark. But if you do need some light, the red light uh, does a lot. To uh, to keep you from losing your uh, your night vision as you get out there and your eyes start to uh, to dilate to the the dark uh, dark light conditions that you're in, so it's kind of cool. But uh, but yeah, as for doing like some photo stuff uh, out there, it's kind of cool to be able to clip the light to the 
bag and have that run in, and then I can um, kind of leave the bag. Right? That's sort of what ends up happening a bit too. Is uh, is like I'll, I'll sort of adjust the tripod or I'll move it away, and then I'm sort of getting into the photo that I'm taking. And now I've set the bag down and I've moved the tripod now two times or three times, and now it's dark out. And I'm thinking, wait a second, where's my bag at? I just left it and I moved now 20 feet or 30 feet, or now there's like an obstacle in the way and I don't know where it is and it's dark out, so it's a lot harder to find. Um, so what I've been trying to do is. Uh, for a while this summer, I got like a pack of glow sticks. I took a glow stick to my truck. I took a glow stick to my camera bag so that I could find it easy. I had my headlamp and stuff with me, and that has a red light and stuff too. And I can crank up the spotlight and scope around and stuff. But it's really a lot easier when you just don't have to do that sort of stuff or, or when there's at least some kind of a little trigger that's showing you, hey, hey, over here. That's where you left the, that backpack and stuff. So now hopefully... I don't know. I won't have to. Uh, I won't have to uh, lose my backpack or lose my stuff out there, or at least like have the fear of that while I'm trying to like hunt around and look. Around. Hey, where'd it go? Did it fall over? Like, is it down by the stump or something? It always kind of slips off from wherever it was. That woodsy stuff too. It's like nothing's ever as organized or clean in a feeling as uh, what it seems like it should be. You know, just the system and stuff. It gets like a little clumsy, so you can't can't always keep it like as straight as you would if you're in a, a more organized, normal uh, environment like you are at home. And that's sort of what what kind of amplifies that risk stuff too a little bit, but uh, but yeah, it's cool throwing a throwing a light on the bag that uh, you have, especially when you're in uh, like nighttime, kind of darker conditions. It's cool to to get to throw that in there and um, yeah, be able to find it again. But uh, as it goes for like a little utility light, it's pretty cool. I've been trying to throw that in as a little uh, as a little like security light or sorry safety light or something like that. I was looking up like uh, emergency kits and stuff, the types of things that you want to have in them, and sort of like um, adhesives, like glues. That's <laughs> not glue, you know, like Elmer super glue and stuff, but uh, probably something like a like a, a JB weld or a super glue or um, uh, one of those like plastic uh, like adhesive welders and stuff. So it really, that's like uh, or like tapes or something like that. But it's really so you can repair stuff as it kind of uh, might fall apart in you while you're out in the field and if you can get a couple of those things to help you bond some things together that's uh that's sort of the stuff that you would have to repair or do or build when you're out there and i think a lot of that stuff is uh is stuff that you can you can get for a couple bucks put in an ammo can that you get for a couple bucks and then you have a, a little like car utility kit where you have like a fix a flat you have a fire starter you have a couple emergency lights, a couple emergency knives or, you know, like some kind of sharp knife blade or multi-tool or Leatherman knockoff kind of things scooting around in there. And then you also have, um, yeah, stuff to make a fire, stuff to make a, a quick, uh, like, dry weather shelter tarp or something like that. But a few of those things to kind of have around is cool. And then really, like, uh, yeah, the adhesive stuff comes in handy, too, if you have, like, a car breakdown or if uh, in emergency circumstances when you need to, uh, like man i've had like a, a like a vacuum hose go on me and i was thinking wow it's a good thing i have like some tape or some adhesive to try and kind of patch this thing up a little bit so i can get back down to the road which is cool or like i've had like battery problems that one sucks when you're like well i don't know if the car is going to start this morning because it was cold or because my i don't know like the interior was like it just was finicky all the time so you'd have to kind of bang on it a little bit and try and get it going again and uh, that was a weird one or like that kind of problem when you're out on a road trip is frustrating, especially when it's chronic and you're out there for like a longer time. And uh, if you're not really in a position to get it fixed right away, you're just like, well, what am I doing out here? Like I'm out here for 15 days. And I don't know if my car is going to start. This sucks. So that's uh, that's come up before. But <laughs> if you can get over that stuff, I guess uh, you can kind of start to to figure out um, how to get out of there and stuff. But um, I was yeah, thinking about, like, I was looking at Costco. They have this big um, this big inverter box that uh, I really like those inverters in the past. I used them in my car and stuff to help me charge batteries, help me run stuff uh, before. But I think Costco has this big inverter 
that uh, I think they've got like a cheaper one that's a battery starter, probably for the cars and stuff. But they got this truck sized one. I was like, man, I should uh, I should get this guy. You know, it's got like a, a full uh, like power outlet on the front of it. Where you can just plug in and um, run stuff off of whatever's on power, or you can run it on uh, however it's it's charging from the car itself. But it's uh, it's kind of wild the the two of them. Or, you know, like uh, trying to get power and stuff out on the road. But I was thinking, man, I should have a, an inverter around. So if I need to run some power to my uh, my battery to get it jumped in the morning or something, I can still do it. It's kind of weird when you're out there just by yourself. you got no one else around you, no other truck, no one else to run a jump start if, uh, if that's what you need. And now I don't have like a stick shift or something, so I can't do the bump start like I did way back in the day. I bump started the Camry a couple of times. I bump started the 4Runner when it didn't start. Ugh. The nightmares of that. I'll get into that next time. But uh, yeah, thanks a lot for listening to this episode of the podcast. Uh, you can check out more information at billynewmanphoto.com. You can go to billynewmanphoto.com forward slash support if you want to help me out and uh, participate in the value for value model that uh, we're running this podcast with. If uh, you receive some value out of some of the stuff that I was talking about, you're welcome to uh, help me out and send some value my way through the portal at billynewmanphoto.com forward slash support. You can also find more information there about uh, Patreon and the way that I use it. If you're interested or or feel more comfortable using Patreon, that's patreon.com forward slash billynewmanphoto. So some cool stuff coming up. Got uh, the music podcast that I'm working on, the music listening sessions with Billy Newman. I got the Night Sky podcast stuff that I'm trying to put out. I'm also trying to figure out some video and uh, media stuff to go up on YouTube this year too. I'm trying to figure out as many things as I can do to uh, kind of get some stuff together quickly and then also sort of have that set up so that it automates out over uh, over a lot of time so that, you know, for I don't know, the next six months I've got videos and photos and stuff ready to go that I've already put together and set up and written out and uh, it's nothing, no sweat off my back so I can just kind of head out and do more camping, do more photo time. Hopefully I get to do uh, more of that. Now that it's uh, kind of coming into January, man, New Year, we're almost there. Thanks a lot for listening to this episode of the Billy Newman Photo Podcast. I will talk to you again next time. Thanks. Thanks.